Getting Better Healthcare is brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Every American is acutely aware of the issues surrounding our healthcare system. We know miracles can happen, but we find ourselves bombarded by conflicting information and are uncertain of what and whom we can trust. We have some of the best medical care in the world for those who can afford it. Incredible new drugs that change people's lives but can be very costly. Many of the best doctors the world has ever seen, but not all are perfect. That's why Dr. Steve Feldman created the show, Getting Better Healthcare, to help walk us through the labyrinth, helping us understand how to take better care of ourselves and to better understand the challenges, issues, controversies, and complexities of our healthcare system as it exists and as it could be. For better healthcare and a better healthcare system, listen to the doctor. Now, here's Steve. Welcome to Getting Better Healthcare on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Feldman founder of the DrScore.com physician rating website. Today's program is part one of a two-part series on the basic economics of healthcare. I think if we understand basic economic principles more clearly, then we'll be in a better position to understand and speak out for appropriate changes in our healthcare system ones that will improve quality and lower the very high cost of the system. To discuss economics of health with us uh, today, we have Dr. Robert Waples. He's professor of economics at Wake Forest University. He's the director of EH.net, which operates the Economics History Services website, promoting communications among scholars in economic history, and he's editor of the Encyclopedia of Economic and Business History. I think most importantly, he's a teacher for the teaching company course, Modern Economic Issues. Dr. Waples, thank you so much for being on the program today. Well, thanks for inviting me on. The primary problem in our U.S. healthcare system, according to some people, is that it just costs way too much. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, it, it costs a lot. And, uh, you know, if you just look at the numbers for the American economy and how much we spend on health care and you compare it to other similar economies, we're spending a lot more. Um, here's a, a few numbers for people to turn over in their heads. Uh, most recent number, a year for which we've got the data is 2009. And in that year, we spent about $2.5 trillion on health care. And so that's a little over $8,000 per person. And that now makes up over 17% of you know, the value of everything we're producing in the, the economy. More than one in every $6 is being spent on health care. If you compare that to other similar countries, you know, like Japan and Canada and Western Europe, those kind of places, we're often spending twice as much per person on health care. And then our health care outcomes, I mean, they're good, uh, but... They're no better, in fact, somewhat slightly worse than you see, especially in terms of long, you know, life expectancy, those kinds of things, uh, than you're seeing in these other countries. Now, we, we might be a little lower in life expectancies because we don't, uh, don't take care of ourselves quite as well, you know, in terms of what we eat and exercise and that kind of thing. Uh, but clearly that extra spending just isn't getting us a lot. The last dollar that we're spending isn't getting us very much at all. And that's a prime that basically all economists have with the system. Yeah, I had the sense that perhaps one of the issues is that 
The medical care is exceptionally good when you're talking about a particular procedure or uh, your your own personal physician, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but that if you look at the, some of the measures people use, uh, uh, infant mortality or, or lifespan, that, that that's highly dependent on drug addiction rates in the community that, that might not be, some people might not consider that medical care, although maybe it is part of the greater health care issue. Yeah, and so I think the, the major thing is that, um, you know, there are some reasons that health outcomes in this country might not be as uh, good as they are in some other countries, primarily to people not taking care of themselves. Uh, but we are spending a lot of extra money, and in sort of the average outcomes aren't really any better. And so when you ask people what they see as a problem with the healthcare system, it's not their personal physician. They think their personal physician is doing a fine job. It's not the technologies and the procedures, the technologies and procedures, uh, you know, the pharmaceutical innovations, those kinds of things we have in the country are cutting edge. Uh, we are developing the new medical technology. Most of the world's new medical technology is developed here in the United States, and it's, you know, developed because Americans are willing to spend, are currently spending so much money on these things. And then a lot of the rest of the world uh, almost gets to free ride on these new technologies we've developed. But the big problem is that we're just not targeting a lot of our medical spending well enough uh, so that even though our average outcomes for medical care are, are pretty good and life expectancies continue to grow, uh, it's really the last dollar spent isn't getting us much. And that's, what, that's the big concern. One of the things I wonder if, it, as an economist, maybe you can tell me if we need to differentiate these things is that the total cost of health care versus the price of individual items within our healthcare system. Are those things tied? Yeah. In fact, that gets at one of the key reasons why we spend so much but don't get that much for the last dollar. And that is that it is rare that somebody pays a substantial portion of their health care out of their own pocket. So the government various levels, is paying for about 44% of health care in the United States. And then most of the rest comes through private insurance that people, uh, that people purchase. Most of that private insurance they get tied through their employer. And so it sort of seems maybe like your employer is picking up the tab. Uh, in fact, uh, most economists wouldn't agree with that. Uh, the employees are picking up the tab when your employer spends more money on your health care an extra thousand dollars on health care means effectively that the other forms of compensation you're getting are going down close to a thousand dollars. So and so what we do is we spend a lot of money on this health insurance, which is very good for us, and we spend a lot of money on it. But then when we have an extra procedure, the last you know, the, the last procedure that we get, we don't have to spend much money on it. And so what well, we pay a lot of money, each additional procedure doesn't cost us much. And that means that we don't really have to pay attention to, is this procedure, is this thing uh, worth, you know, is its total benefit to me worth worth more than its total cost? And its total cost to me is close to zero, but its total cost isn't actually zero because there's no such thing as a free lunch. There's a lot of things being spent on it, a lot of costs going into it. So that's the big problem. It's the insurance 
that's giving people insurance is a very good thing because we're talking about uh, expensive and risky things. Uh, but the insurance gives us incentives to spend money our last dollar in ways that are just not very productive. Okay, I, I want to step back for a second and, and try to understand this clearly. I, I've been listening to your course on modern economic issues. It's um, uh, an audio course put out by the great uh, in the great courses series from the Teaching Company. And one of the things I, I, I liked about the uh, presentation on healthcare is it comes after some basic information on on the economics of what determines prices and costs. So can you tell our listeners the, the basics of that f- as a stepping stone, and then we'll look at, at, at health care? Yeah. So in most parts of the economy, prices and quantities end up get, getting determined by, you know, the interactions of all the buyers in the market and the interaction you know, with, with all the sellers in the market. So the buyers make up the demand curve, and people are willing to pay a certain amount for something if they feel that they're going to get a benefit equal to the price that they're paying. Suppliers are willing to sell the thing if they're going to get paid at least as much as their cost of producing things. And so in most markets, that price that gets generated reflects the value of the last unit produced to the customer and the cost of producing that last unit. So the last unit's just just, you know, really what you want. Uh, the last unit produced is produced if the benefit people get from it is about equal to the cost of making it. Okay? But when you have insurance and somebody else picks up that cost for you, then you can get all out of whack there. So let me think about, you know, if I go out and I buy a gallon of milk, how many gallons of milk am I going to buy? Um, well, the gallon of milk cost me $3.50, let's say, and I will only buy that gallon of milk if I think it's worth $3.50 to me. Compare that when I go into the doctor, and the doctor recommends a procedure. And, um, well, the procedure itself is going to cost hundreds of dollars, let's say. Uh, but the fraction that I have to pay for it, in many cases, is zero, or maybe I have a copayment of 20%. And so now what I think is that this procedure, let's say, costs $500. How valuable is this procedure to me? And I turn this over in my mind, and I say, let's say this procedure is worth $300 to me. If I had to pay it out of my pocket, I wouldn't pay. I wouldn't buy this thing that costs $500 because it's only worth $300 to me. But if the insurer is picking up 80% of the tab, now I only have to pay $100 for it. I'll end up buying the procedure. You might take two. I'll get the procedure, which is good for me. It's great for me. I've gotten a gain. But for society as a whole, we purchased something that benefited me, the user, $300, and cost us, society, $500, and we, we overdid it. We threw away $200 in value in that case. Now, I'm envisioning this, this demand curve, mm-hmm. and as uh, price goes up, the quantity that people want goes down. Exactly. And the supply curve, the quantity, go, the price goes up, the amount people are willing to supply mm-hmm. um, goes up. Now, with insurance, if we just had, make it simple, an insurance system that paid for 80% of the cost of something, in the short run, as I understand it, the, the price of things would go up fivefold. Um, well, how much the price goes up depends on what the supply curve looks like. Some supply curves are what economists call very elastic, 
and other supply curves are inelastic, so that when people want to buy more of it because the price they've got to pay out of pocket goes down due to the insurance, sometimes that extra thing can be supplied very easily, and so the total cost of making it doesn't go up much. Other times, the price can go up a lot, and in medical care, uh, the supply curves tend to be somewhat inelastic because we've got a lot of factors uh, that are stopping extra resources from going into the medical uh, field, especially in, in when it comes to things like uh, physicians, right? It takes a lot of training to become a physician, and so we have a lot of rules in place also that uh, stop other people who aren't, aren't as well trained from you know, taking the place of those physicians. So we've got some kind of anti-competitive forces in place uh, that really are holding back the supply curve and driving up the cost in, in the process. You don't open up a new medical school and start training hundreds more doctors overnight. Yeah, exactly correct. And, of course, to get those new medical schools open, uh, they've got to pass through the regulatory muster, and they've got to be accredited, and who's doing the accreditation? It's doctors who don't want to have a lot more uh, competitors flooding into the market along those lines. I wonder if the growth in physician assistants and nurse practitioners is is in essence the economy's response to the long-term effect of insurance pushing up prices and the supply trying its best to to react to that. that Okay. So um, in your um, grocery store example, uh, the government decides, you know, people have a right to milk. Mm-hmm. People have a right to high-quality milk for their children. I mm-hmm. mean, you wouldn't want low-quality milk. So they decide, well, we're going to pay for 80% of the price of the milk. Um, wh- yeah. What would happen to the, the price of that gallon of milk? Yeah, so, you know, suppose we had the same thing, right? And uh, the consumer didn't have to pay the full price of milk. They only had to pay 20%. Now the price of a gallon of milk I see in the grocery store is is 70 cents. Now, to to get that milk at 70 cents a gallon, I had to have milk insurance. Now, right? let me so, ask you something. Uh-huh. I, I want to make sure I understand. Either the price of the milk to you would be 70 cents, Mm-hmm. Or they could jack up the price of the milk to fifteen dollars, so that you still pay three fifty, mm-hmm. and 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 then the, the price has gotten yep. dramatically higher. Which of those two is going to happen in the short well, run? Well, we would have to to answer that question. We would have to know what the demand curve looks like and what the supply curve looks like. Okay. So uh, you are right that if we had milk insurance, and so either the government uh, is providing to this because you're elderly or you're poor, like Medicaid and Medicare. Or maybe with milk insurance, it'd be because you're young and growing and your bones are growing and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Or you're covered by milk insurance through your employer. Now I go into the store, and now people want to buy a lot more milk because they don't have to pay as much. Um, Would the price fall from $3.50 all the way down, 80% to $0.70 a gallon? You're entirely right that what would happen is people would want to buy more, the demand curve uh, would move, and so that if the supply curve is very inelastic, the price could go up a lot. So the list price is now, let's say, not $3.50 a gallon. Now it's $7 a gallon. And I've got to pay 20% of that, $1.40. It's still probably going to be lower than what I would pay in a market where there was no insurance at all. Yeah. But you can see some scenarios where the price wouldn't go down much at all. For example, what you would it- have, what you would have, though, is uh, you would have people buying a lot more milk than they otherwise would have before. 
for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, milk may not be the best example because when it comes to milk, there's just a certain amount that people want to drink. But when it comes to health care, I mean, you, ne- you can never be too careful. <laughs> yeah. I certainly am, you know, I abuse this system all the time. When I have minor health problems, I go to my doctor to get them checked out because I want to live long and prosper, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, and the, the big things aren't coming from people going to the doctors like me. The, the big, what economists call the moral hazard problem, once you insure something, the likelihood of that insured outcome occurring goes up. The moral hazard problem, once I insure my car against a crash, I'm slightly more likely to get in a crash because, hey, it's insured. The moral hazard problem is not that big when it comes to, I think, buying milk or buying, you know, getting in a car crash, but it sure is with health care because, especially with, you know, extraordinary care at the end of people's lives and that kind of thing. So my mother-in-law passed away uh, about three years ago, and the last few months of, of her life, her medical expenses, I don't know what the, the amount was, hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, to extend her life for, you know, something that was of very low quality. She was basically in a hospital bed and, and declining and, and you know, in a, effectively close to a coma for much of the period. We were spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on that okay, because it was insured. If anybody had to look at the bottom line and pay it out of their pocket, nobody would want to have done that. My mother-in-law certainly wouldn't have wanted to been put in that position. Uh, her daughters didn't want her to be in that position. Uh, the physicians, uh, you know, you know, they they obviously were getting paid more for, for doing that things. You can see an incentive for them to have wanted to do this, but the buyer, no buyer, would want to have done that. But since somebody was uh, else was picking up the tab, and the doctor said, well, this really might help a little bit. Of course, the money was spent because you know people care about their loved ones like that, and so that's where a lot of that's an example where the moral hazard problem here could be gigantic and just hundreds of thousands of extra dollars could be spent. We're going to continue our discussion of the economics of healthcare next week with Dr. Waples. This week we've covered moral hazard and, and the basic economic issues. Next week we're going to discuss solutions based on our understanding of the economics. Um, Important issues related to the tax treatment of the healthcare dollar, competition, and the role of government in our healthcare system. I hope you've enjoyed today's program and will join us again next week. Our theme music is by the incomparable Michael Zioli. Our show today was brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. If you want to access Dr. Waple's lecture series on modern economic issues, you can check it out online at The Teaching Company. Their website is thegreatcourses.com. I'll have a link to them on the Getting Better Healthcare website. Until next time, I wish you the best of health. Thanks for listening to the show today. Remember to go to DrScore.com to get and give feedback about your doctor and to read others' recommendations about doctors in your area. It's a way to choose your path to healthcare empowerment. That's D-R-S-C-O-R-E.com, DrScore.com. And we'll see you next week right here on Getting Better Healthcare.